Chapter forty two, part three of Leviathan. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Geoffrey Edwards. Leviathan by Thomas Hobbes. Chapter forty two, part three of Power Ecclesiastical. Seeing then the acts of counsel of the apostles were then no laws, but counsels, much less are laws the acts of any other doctors or counsel since, if assembled without the authority of the civil sovereign. And consequently, the books of the New Testament, though most perfect rules of Christian doctrine, could not be made laws by any other authority than that of kings or sovereign assemblies. The first council that made the scripture we now have canon is not extant, for that collection of the canons of the apostles, attributed to Clemens, the first bishop of Rome after St. Peter, is subject to question, for though the canonical books be there reckoned up, yet these words, Sint vobis omnibus clericis and leisus libri venerandi, etc., contain a distinction of clergy and laity that was not in use so near St. Peter's time. The first council for settling the canonical scripture that is extant is that of Laodicea, Canon 59, which forbids the reading of other books than those in the churches, which is a mandate that is not addressed to every Christian, but to those only that had authority to read anything publicly in the church, that is, to ecclesiastics only. Of ecclesiastical officers in the time of the apostles, some were magisterial, some ministerial. Magisterial were the offices of preaching of the gospel of the kingdom of God to infidels, of administering the sacraments and divine service, and of teaching the rules of faith and manners to those that were converted. Ministerial was the office of deacons, that is, of them that were appointed to the administration of the secular necessities of the church, at such time as they lived upon a common stock of money, raised out of the voluntary contributions of the faithful. Amongst the officers, amongst the officer magisterial, the first and principal were the apostles, whereof there were at first but twelve, and these were chosen and constituted by our Saviour himself, and their office was not only to preach, teach, and baptize, but also to be martyrs, witnesses of our Saviour's resurrection. This testimony was the specifical and essential mark whereby the apostleship was distinguished from other magistracy ecclesiastical, as being necessary for an apostle either to have seen our Saviour after his resurrection, or to have conversed with him before, and seen his works and other arguments of his divinity, whereby they might be taken for sufficient witnesses. And therefore at the election of a new apostle in the place of Judas Iscariot, St. Peter saith, Of these men that have companied with us, all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John, unto that same day that he was taken up from us, must one be ordained to be a witness with us of his resurrection. Acts chapter 1 verse 21 22 
whereby this word must is implied a necessary property of an apostle to have companied with the first and prime apostles in the time that our saviour manifested himself in the flesh the first apostles of those which were not constituted by christ in the time he was upon the earth was matthias chosen in this manner there were assembled together in jerusalem about one hundred and twenty christians acts chapter one verse fifteen these appointed two joseph the just and matthias ibid chapter one verse twenty three and caused lots to be drawn and the lot fell on matthias and he was numbered with the apostles ibid chapter one verse twenty six so that here we see the ordination of this apostle was the act of the congregation and not of st peter nor of the eleven otherwise than as members of the assembly after him there was never any other apostle ordained but paul and barnabas which was done as we read in this manner there were in the church that was at antioch certain prophets and teachers as barnabas and simeon that was called niger and lucius of cyrene and manaen which had been brought up with herod the tetrarch and saul as they ministered unto the lord and fasted the holy ghost said separate me barnabas and saul for the work whereunto i have called them and when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them they sent them away acts chapter thirteen verses one two and three by which it is manifest that though they were called by the holy ghost their calling was declared unto them and their mission authorized by the particular church of antioch and that this their calling was to the apostleship is apparent by that that they are both called apostles acts chapter fourteen verse fourteen and that it was by virtue of this act of the church of antioch that they were apostles st paul declareth plainly in that he useth the word which the holy ghost used six verse ten at his calling for he styleth himself an apostle separated unto the gospel of god romans chapter one verse one alluding to the words of the holy ghost separate me barnabas and saul etc but seeing the work of an apostle was to be a witness of the resurrection of christ a man may here ask how saint paul that conversed not with our saviour before his passion could know he was risen to which is easily answered that our saviour himself appeared to him in the way to damascus from heaven after his ascension and chose him for a vessel to bear his name before the gentiles and kings and children of israel and consequently having seen the lord after his passion was a competent witness of his resurrection and as for barnabas he was a disciple before the passion it is therefore evident that paul and barnabas were apostles and yet chosen and authorized not by the first apostles alone but by the church of antioch as matthias was chosen and authorized by the church of jerusalem bishop a word formed in our language out of the greek episcopus signifieth an overseer or superintendent of any business and particularly a pastor or shepherd and thence a metaphor was taken not only amongst the jews that were originally shepherds but also amongst the heathen to signify the office of a king or any other ruler or guide of people whether he ruled by laws or doctrine and so the apostles were the first christian bishops 
instituted by Christ himself, in which sense the apostleship of Judas is called his bishopric. Acts chapter 1 verse 20. And afterwards, when there were constituted elders in the Christian churches, with charge to guide Christ's flock by their doctrine and advice, these elders were also called bishops. Timothy was an elder, which word elder in the New Testament is a name of office as well as of age. Yet he was also a bishop. And bishops were then content with the title of elders. Nay, St. John himself, the apostle beloved of our Lord, beginneth his second epistle with these words the elder to the elect lady, by which it is evident that bishop, pastor, elder, doctor, that is to say teacher, were but so many diverse names of the same office in the time of the apostles. For there was then no government by coercion, but only by doctrine and persuading. The kingdom of God was yet to come, in a new world, so that there could be no authority to compel in any church till the commonwealth had embraced the Christian faith, and consequently no diversity of authority, though there were diversity of employments. Besides these magisterial employments in the church, namely apostles, bishops, elders, pastors, and doctors, whose calling was to proclaim Christ to the Jews and infidels, and to direct and teach those that believed, we read in the New Testament of no other. For by the names of evangelists and prophets is not signified any office, but several gifts by which several men were profitable to the church, as evangelists by writing the life and acts of our Saviour, such as were St. Matthew and St. John apostles, and St. Mark and St. Luke disciples, and whoever else wrote of that subject, as St. Thomas and St. Barnabas are said to have done, the church have not received the books that have gone under their names, and as prophets, by the gift of interpreting the Old Testament, and sometimes by declaring their special revelations to the church. For neither these gifts, nor the gifts of languages, nor the gift of casting out devils, nor of curing other diseases, nor anything else did make an officer in the save only the due calling and election to the charge of teaching. As the apostles Matthias, Paul, and Barnabas were not made by our Saviour himself, but were elected by the church, that is, by the assembly of Christians, namely Matthias by the church of Jerusalem, and Paul and Barnabas by the church of Antioch, so were also the presbyters and pastors in other cities, elected by the churches of those cities. For proof whereof, let us consider, first, how St. Paul proceeded in the ordination of presbyters in the cities where he had converted men to the Christian faith, immediately after he and Barnabas had received their apostleship. We read that they ordained elders in every church, Acts chapter 14, verse 23, which at first sight may be taken for an argument that they themselves chose and gave them their authority. But if we consider the original text, it will be manifest that they were authorized and chosen by the assembly of the Christians of each city. For the words are karyoton esantes autois presbyteros cat ecclesian, that is, when they had ordained them elders by the holding up of hands in every congregation. Now it is well enough known that in all those cities the manner of choosing magistrates and officers was by plurality of suffrages 
and because the ordinary way of distinguishing the affirmative votes from the negatives was by holding up of hands to ordain an officer in any of the cities was no more but to bring the people together to elect them by plurality of votes whether it were by plurality of elevated hands or by plurality of voices or plurality of balls or beans or small stones of which every man cast in one into a vessel marked for the affirmative or negative for diverse cities had diverse customs in that point it was therefore the assembly that elected their own elders the apostles were only presidents of the assembly to call them together for such election and to pronounce them elected and to give them the benediction which now is called consecration and for this cause they that were presidents of the assemblies as in the absence of the apostles the elders were were called proestotes and in latin antistites which words signify the principal person of the assembly whose office was to number the votes and to declare thereby who was chosen and where the votes were equal to decide the matter in questions by adding his own which is the office of a president in council and because all the churches had their presbyters ordained in the same manner where the word is constitute as ina catastasis cata polin presbyteros for this cause left i thee in crete that thou shouldst constitute elders in every city titus chapter one verse five we are to understand the same thing namely that he should call the faithful together and ordain them presbyters by plurality of suffrages it had been a strange thing if in a town where men perhaps had never seen any magistrates otherwise chosen than by an assembly those in the town becoming christians should so much as have thought of on any other way of election of their teachers and guides that is to say of their presbyters otherwise called bishops than this of plurality of suffrages intimated by st paul in the word caro ton esantes acts chapter fourteen verse twenty three nor was there ever any choosing of bishops before the emperors found it necessary to regulate them in order to the keeping of the peace amongst them but by assemblies of the christians in every several town the same is also confirmed by the continual practice even to this day in the election of the bishops of rome for if the bishop of any place had the right of choosing another to the succession of the pastoral office in any city at such time as he went from thence to plant the same in another place much more had he had the right to appoint his successor in that place in which he last resided and died and we find not that ever any bishop of rome appointed his successor for they were a long time chosen by the people as we may see by the sedition raised about the election between damasus and ursinus which ammianus marcellinus saith was so great that juventius the prefect unable to keep the peace between them was forced to go out of the city and that there were above a hundred men found dead upon that occasion in the church itself and though they afterwards were chosen first by the whole clergy of rome and afterwards by the cardinals yet never any was appointed to the succession by his predecessor 
If, therefore, they pretended no right to appoint their own successors, I think I may reasonably conclude they had no right to appoint the successors of other bishops without receiving some new power, which none of them could take from the church to bestow on them, but such as had a lawful authority, not only to teach, but to command the church, which none could do but the civil sovereign. The word minister, in the original, diakonos, signifieth one that voluntary doth the business of another man, and differeth from a servant only in this, that servants are obliged by their condition to what is commanded them, whereas ministers are obliged only by their undertaking, and bound therefore to no more than that they have undertaken, so that both they that teach the word of God, and they that administer the secular fare of the church, are both ministers. But they are ministers of different persons. For the pastors of the church, called the ministers of the word, Acts chapter 6 verse 4, are ministers of Christ, whose word it is. But the ministry of a deacon, which is called serving of tables, Ibid chapter 6 verse 2, is a service done to the church or congregation, so that neither any one man nor the whole church could ever of their pastor say he was their minister, but of a deacon, whether the charge he undertook were to serve tables or distribute maintenance to the Christians when they lived in each city on a common stock or upon collections, as in the first times, or to take care of the house of prayer or of the revenue or other worldly business of the church, the whole congregation might properly call him their minister. For their employment as deacons was to serve the congregation, though upon occasion they omitted not to preach the gospel and maintain the doctrine of Christ, every one according to his gifts, as St. Stephen did, and both to preach and baptize, as Philip did. For that Philip, which preached the gospel at Samaria, Acts chapter 8 verse 5, and baptized the eunuch, Ibid chapter 8 verse 38, was Philip the deacon, not Philip the apostle. For it is manifest that when Philip preached in Samaria, the apostles were at Jerusalem, Ibid chapter 8 verse 1. And when they heard that Samaria had received the word of God, sent Peter and John to them, Ibid chapter 8 verse 14, by imposition of whose hands they that were baptized received, which before by the baptism of Philip they had not received, the Holy Ghost. Ibid chapter 8 verse 15. For it was necessary for the conferring of the Holy Ghost that their baptism should be administered or confirmed by a minister of the word, not by a minister of the church. And therefore, to confirm the baptism of those that Philip the deacon had baptized, the apostles sent out of their own number from Jerusalem to Samaria, Peter and John, who conferred on them that before was but baptized those graces that were signs of the Holy Spirit, which at that time did accompany all true believers which what they were may be understood by that which St. Mark saith. These signs follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Mark chapter 16, verse 17. This to do was it that Philip could not give but the apostles could, and, appears by this place, effectually did to every man that truly believed, and was by a minister of Christ himself baptized, which power either Christ's ministers in this age cannot confer, 
or else there are very few true believers, or Christ hath very few ministers. That the first deacons were chosen, not by the apostles, but by a congregation of the disciples, that is, of Christian men of all sorts, is manifest out of Acts 6, where we read that the twelve, after the number of disciples was multiplied, called them together, and having told them that it was not fit that the apostles should leave the word of God, and serve tables, said unto them, Brethren, look you out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost, and of wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. Acts chapter 6 verse 3 Here it is manifest, that though the apostles declared them elected, yet the congregation chose them, which also is more expressly said, where it is written that, the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they seven, etc. Ibid, chapter 6, verse 5. Under the Old Testament, the tribe of Levi were only capable of the priesthood and other inferior offices of the church. The land was divided amongst the other tribes, Levi accepted, which by the subdivision of the tribe of Joseph into Ephraim and Manasseh were still twelve. To the tribe of Levi were assigned certain cities for their habitation, with the suburbs for their cattle, but for their portion they were to have the tenth of the fruits of the land of their brethren. Again, the priests for their maintenance had the tenth of that tenth, together with part of the oblations and sacrifices. For God had said to Aaron, Thou shalt have no inheritance in their land, neither shalt thou have any part amongst them. I am thy part, and thine inheritance among the children of Israel. Numbers chapter 18 verse 20 For God, being then king, and having constituted the tribe of Levi to be his public ministers, he allowed them for their maintenance the public revenue, that is to say, the part that God had reserved to himself, which were tithes and offerings, and that is it which is meant where God saith, I am thine inheritance. And therefore to the Levites might not unfitly be attributed the name of clergy, from kleros, which signifieth lot or inheritance, not that they were heirs of the kingdom of God, more than other, but that God's inheritance was their maintenance. Now seeing in this time God himself was their king, and Moses, Aaron, and the succeeding high priests were his lieutenants, it is manifest that the right of tithes and offerings was constituted by the civil power. After their rejection of God, in the demanding of a king, they enjoyed still the same revenue, but the right thereof was deprived from them, that the kings did never take it from them, for the public revenue was at the disposing of him that was the public person, and that, till the captivity, was the king. And again, after the return from the captivity, they paid their tithes as before to the priest. Hitherto, therefore, church livings were determined by the civil sovereign. Of the maintenance of our Saviour and his apostles, we read only they had a purse, which was carried by Judas Iscariot, and that of the apostles, such as were fishermen, did sometimes use their trade, and that when our Saviour sent the twelve apostles to preach, he forbade them to carry gold and silver and brass in their purse for that the workman is worthy of his hire. Matthew chapter 10, verses 9, 10. By which it is probable their ordinary maintenance was not unsuitable to their employment, for their employment was freely to give, because they had freely received. Ibid chapter 10, verse 8. 
and their maintenance was the free gift of those that believed the good tiding they carried about of the coming of the Messiah their Saviour, to which we may add that which was contributed out of gratitude by such as our Saviour had healed of diseases, of which are mentioned certain women which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary Magdalene, out of whom went seven devils, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others, which ministered unto him of their substance. Luke, chapter 8, verses 2, 3. After our Saviour's ascension, the Christians of every city lived in common, upon the money which was made of the sale of their lands and possessions, and laid down at the feet of the apostles of good will, not of duty. Acts, chapter 4, verses 34, 35. For, whilst the land remained, said St. Peter to Ananias, was it not thine? And after it was sold, was it not in thy power? Ibid, chapter 5, verses 4. Which showeth he needed not to have saved his land, nor his money by lying, as not being bound to contribute anything at all unless he had pleased. And as in the time of the apostles, so also all the time downward, till after Constantine the Great we shall find that the maintenance of the bishops and pastors of the Christian church was nothing but the voluntary contribution of them that had embraced their doctrine. There is yet no mention of tithes, but such was in the time of Constantine and his sons the affection of Christians to their pastors, as Ammianus Marcellinus saith, describing the sedition of Damasus and Ursinus about the bishopric, that it was worth their contention in that the bishops of those times, by the liberality of their flock, and especially of matrons, lived splendidly, were carried in coaches, and were sumptuous in their fare and apparel. But here may some ask whether the pastor were then bound to live upon voluntary contribution, as upon alms. For who, saith St. Paul, goeth to war at his own charges? Or who feedeth a flock, and eateth not of the milk of the flock? 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. And again, Do ye not know that they which minister about holy things live of the things of the temple, and they which wait at the altar partake with the altar? Ibid, chapter 9, verse 13. That is to say, have part of that which is offered at the altar for their maintenance. And then he concludeth, Even so hath the Lord appointed that they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel from which place may be inferred, indeed, that the pastors of the church ought to be maintained by their flocks, but not that the pastors were to determine either the quantity or the kind of their own allowance, and be, as it were, their own carvers. Their allowance must needs therefore be determined either by the gratitude and liberality of every particular man of their flock, or by the whole congregation. By the whole congregation it could not be, because their acts were then no laws, Therefore, the maintenance of pastors before emperors and civil sovereigns had made laws to settle it was nothing but benevolence. They that served at the altar lived on what was offered. So may the pastors also take what is offered them by their flock, but not exact what is not offered. In what court should they sue for it who had no tribunals? Or if they had arbitrators among themselves, who should execute their judgments when they had no power to arm their officers? It remaineth, therefore, that there could be no certain maintenance assigned to any pastors of the church, but by the whole congregation, and then only when their decrees should have the force, not only of canons, but also of laws. 
which laws could not be made but by emperors, kings, or other civil sovereigns. The right of tithes in Moses' law could not be applied to then ministers of the gospel, because Moses and the high priests were the civil sovereigns of the people under God, whose kingdom amongst the Jews was present, whereas the kingdom of God by Christ is yet to come. End of chapter 42, part 3 Recording by Geoffrey Edwards